You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Go ahead if you have your Bible and you can turn to John chapter 14, or this will be on the screen for you as well. Um, I felt impressed for some time um, when we arrived at a place of finishing the book of 1 John, because typically on Wednesdays we're teaching through books of the Bible to um, just take our time and really study out the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, um, and just clear a bunch of things up and get ourselves um, truly, truly um, connected right with the Holy Spirit. Any, anybody for that Amen. tonight? Okay. As we took a little time last week, and I don't have time to go back and review on this, but anything powerful and wonderful, man either goes overboard or not at all. And there's roads and there's ditches and, and we want to stay in the road, stay out of the ditches and just have the truth of God's word concerning the Holy Spirit. It, it just is disturbing to me that we can begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. And some people actually, because of certain things in their life, where feel uptight or nervous or controversial. He, he should be the least controversial, most welcome, you know. I shared with you last week that if you and I had never, ever heard a sermon, never, ever been to church, never, ever watched Christian television, and had only read the Old and New Testament uh, concerning the Holy Spirit, we'd be so crazy about the Holy Spirit and so welcoming and eagerly desiring and have great expectations for the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Amen. Amen. Jesus said that it's best, he was telling the disciples, he, he says, the best thing for you that I leave. And they're probably thinking, what on earth are you talking about? He says, it's going to be better for you that I leave because once I leave, then the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, he will be, now you got, you have to get these words, another comforter, another comforter. The, the first word, another there is the Greek word alos, and it has to do with one just like me. And you put it all together. The comforter there is the Holy Spirit. That's the way Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. He's an inter- intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, um, comforter, helper. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And he said, when, and, and this is what Jesus reveals. He said, that's what I am. Jesus. I am paraclete in the Greek. I, I am comforter, helper, strengthener, intercessor. Stand by. I am that for you. And when I go away, because right now in my earthly body, and I'm inserting a lot of truth with it, Jesus said, I can only be at one place at one time. But once I'm out of the limitations of this body, I would return back, be seated at the right hand of the Father. And he said, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he'll be with you. And he will be in you. And he's going to be with all y'all. Whenever. And he says, and he will do, and this is what that another comforter really means there. He will do in my absence what I would do for you if I were present. So when Paul then later in Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, some of us seize up. But the reality is it's more and more of Jesus in our life. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, they're all one. And the agent of action in the earth today 
to work in us. And part of the reason Jesus came was to make way so that there could be temples. And we'll get into this more in the weeks to come. Temples for the Holy Spirit to dwell in. That we could become born again. That we could become temples. So the Holy Spirit could come and live in us. And I don't want him to just be a snowbird. I don't want him to just be a timeshare. I don't want him when he does come, he's just got a little overnight bag. I want him to move in. Put your stuff on the walls, do whatever you want and fill this temple up with you. Amen. Amen. Now let's go on and look at some things here. I want to share with you uh, just some thoughts. And then I'm going to give you three things that the Holy Spirit does. And, and he does so many other things. Tonight, I'm just touching on three. Part of the purpose of the series, part of it. And, and in the first few weeks, we're going to get the uh, qualifying things out of the way. So that we can just run with this. But part of the purpose and need for a series like this on the Holy Spirit is so that we can, we can get clarity we can get scriptural, biblical truth and clarity regarding the person, the, the nature, the power, the work, the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And get it from scripture, not from tradition, not from where you came from, not from the church you were raised in or the weird people that you knew that lived across the street from you and visited with them one time. Or what you've heard or how you've been prejudiced in one way or another concerning the Holy Spirit. What we want to do is get clarity of Scripture. And the, and the Word of God, Scripture, holds the highest authority for us. And, and we have to be careful because if tradition holds the highest authority, then you make the Word of God of no effect for you. You don't want to live that way. So what we want to do is submit our traditions, our experiences, be they good or bad... We want to submit all those things to the authority, the eternal authority of, of the word of God. Jesus even said this, and we know from scripture that his name is above every name that is named. You know what he then said? He said, I have exalted my word even above my name. So what do we go with? Tradition. I was raised in this. I'm going, I'm going to stick with it. I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's not smart. You know, we need to stick with the word. And if our tradition, our experience, what we've been taught, what grandma did, what, whatever it would be, if that comes in conflict with the word of God, we submit it to the word of God and take the authority of scripture. Could I get a decent amen out of the people of God? All right. Good deal. Now, John chapter 14, verse 16, I'll read it in the new living translation. Jesus said, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. I'm reading again from new living advocate who will never leave you. Everybody say this. He will never leave me. And then, you know, how many of you have had something or somebody leave you? I remember in sixth grade, I found a turtle. My mom said, don't bring that thing in here. And I said, but can I keep it? All right. So my sister had a little blow up pool, you know, one of those little, I don't know, maybe three foot in diameter, little pool. I blew that thing up, set it all up for my turtle. He left me. I don't know if somebody came and got him or whatever, but he was gone. I searched the world over. 
Uh, some of y'all have watched Hee <laughs> But see, that's part of the problem of life. Things, situations, people, they leave us. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he will never leave you. So I don't care what you're going through right now. Maybe it's a family situation, a health situation, financial situation, a legal situation, whatever it would be. You need to know this. You are not alone. But pastor, I made this mess. You are not alone. Well, there's a bunch of people involved. You are not alone. He'll never leave you. In the Amplified Bible, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. Is that not awesome? And we could close our Bibles and go home tonight and you have one of the greatest truths ever that he will never leave you. And look who he is that will never leave you. Have you ever had somebody before you wish they'd leave you? I remember sometimes I, I remember like in junior high band and we went to the county fair. We played the little thing. We did our little thing, you know, played the fair. And then we were allowed to, you know, just go hang out at the county fair. And, and how do I say this? Not everybody in the band is a geek, but there are some geeks in the band. And it's like, you're going to hang around all day, you know, and then there's some people that wanted to hang with you. And it's like, I don't want you to hang with me. I'm trying to hang with the flute player. You know? Everybody say, he will never leave me. All right. I did a little bit of math here. Every week. What? All right. Y'all didn't laugh. I love y'all. Come over here. Every week you have 168 hours. 168 hours. Think about that. You're a steward of that 168 hours. And you need to be a better steward of your 168 hours. Um, There's one thing that I've been able to do in recent years that has helped me more than I can express is that I've been able to divide that time up and prioritize that time a whole lot better. And so consequently, it makes life more fruitful, more enjoyable, and so forth. Don't have it perfected, but I'll tell you what, oh, it's just so much more wonderful to rather than just randomly, you know, just waste your time here and there and people take time and so forth. 168 hours. Everybody say 168. Now, on a good week for you, good week, um, you would come to Meadowbrook Church because Meadowbrook Church, we believe church days affect the rest of your days. So you would come on a Sunday morning, either first or second service, and then you would come back on Wednesday night, which you have done. And if we play those services out to the max, then you have spent two and a half, maybe hours of your week at church. I don't think that's a lot to, to spend 
But my point is this. What about the remaining? Let's say it's three hours because you even helped to do something. Okay. So out of the 168 and you spent three of that at church, you've got remaining 165 hours of the week. Some people's definition of how the Holy Spirit works and moves would then limit the Holy Spirit to two to three hours a week. And this is my concern, is that people are spending about 165 hours of the week not living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their life. So we want to understand again that he will never leave you or forsake you, which means he'll be with you the full 168 hours during your week. All right. Now, I worked hard on the math, so help me, okay? All right. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit, get this now, and we are going to talk as we go along in this series, what is he doing in a service? And sometimes people wrongly define or have wrong expectations of what he does. We want to clear up things. We want to go with the Bible. We want to see all of that. But for right now, I want to talk about you and your 165 hours. Because I think everything weighted, even though church days affect the rest of your days, is not just that two to three hours that's going to make you a winner. Because I know some people come every service and they're losing in life. Because of how they spend the rest rest of their their time. And so we've got to know that the Holy Spirit is with you always. 168 hours a week. Or more. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit is personal. It's daily. The bulk of what he does is personal and it's inward. And he is the source of life. In John 6.63 And the Amplified Bible, it even brings this out. He is the life giver. So it's the spirit that gives life. He is the life giver. How many of you want to be fully alive? How many of you want to when there's bad news on TV or bad news on, on the telephone? I still have to have a source of life. I have to have help. I have to have strength. I have to have a comforter. I have to have, I have to have this all the time. And that's the main ministry of the Holy Spirit is in your life, personally, on the inside, doing a number of things. And I want to look at just three of those things just real quick for the sake of time tonight. But first of all, one of the first things that the Holy Spirit does, and we've already actually mentioned this tonight, is he comforts. Everybody say comforts. How many of you ever need comfort? Ah, now you go. All right. John 14, 16, again, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter who will never leave you. Now, in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Comfort is this. It's something that brings ease, brings relief. Um, what was that stuff called? I think it's called ungentine. Does anybody remember that? 
I don't, maybe that was the stuff. I remember I'd skin my knees. I did it all the time. It's a wonder I have skin on my knees. You know, as a kid and elbows, just because the way we played and the stuff we did, you know. And I remember I'd come in and it's like, ah, you know, and my mom had stuff. Sometimes she used mercure chrome. Will this sting? No. I think it just welds your skin back together, you know. And methylate and iodine and all this stuff. But I remember my mom finally got this stuff and it was in like a white bottle with a green cap and you just kind of squeeze the bottle and it would spray. And that stuff felt all right. That stuff felt all right. What would it bring? It would bring comfort. It would bring comfort. Sometimes you're all upset or whatever, you know, and then there's somebody that you love and loves you and you can get, you can just receive comfort. Comfort is this. It brings ease, relief, reassurance, encouragement, and strength. And you say, well, I don't really need all that. Yes, you do. And you need it for this, for pain, for difficulty, for uh, anxiety, for grief, for rejection, for confusion, for disappointment, for betrayal, for failure. We need comfort. And a person can only go so long without comfort. If a person is in agony and pain and distress, emotionally, physically, relationally, in whatever way, you can only go so long before you get some comfort. You've got to have some comfort. And the Holy Spirit is with us always to do this. Some of you tonight are facing things. Some of you tonight are going through some stuff. And I want you to know something. He is with you. And one of the things he will do is comfort you. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. And please hear this. It does not mean that he always just fixes everything and changes your situation. The work that he does is on the inside. And sometimes you still have the storm. You still have the mess. You still have the need. You still have all those things. But you know what you have on the inside of you. The change comes on the inside of you. He strengthens you and bolsters you and comforts you and encourages you on the inside. And if you'll get a hold of that tonight, and if you'll just, I I dare you tonight to worship God when you get home and worship him when you get up in the morning and thank him for being a comforter. And tomorrow you can walk into the same stuff. I'm not promising you that tomorrow everything's just fine. That's called heaven. I don't want you to go to heaven yet. Okay. But see what he will do though. And and a lot of people think, well, if I pray, will he fix everything? You know what? Sometimes not right away, but you know, he'll do, he'll comfort you. He'll grace you. He'll help you. You'll be strong on the inside and it won't be your strength. It'll be his strength on the inside. And some of you are going through some stuff. I don't know when this thing ends, but you know what? He is with you always. And what he will do is comfort you. He holds you. He carries you. He's called alongside to help you. He is with you. He never leaves you. And just his very presence brings you comfort. Second thing is this. He, the Holy Spirit, will guide you. Everybody say, he will guide me. This also includes counsel. Because sometimes as somebody guides somebody, they're giving them counsel as they guide them. And he is the wonderful counselor. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Let me just see. How many of you have ever known somebody before that just didn't know what to do? 
How many of you have, I don't know what to do. And sometimes it's with people and you're like, I, I don't know what to do. And sometimes we have messed something up so bad. We go, I, I don't know how to get back to here. I, I don't know how this got to this place. And guess what? He'll comfort you, but he also will guide you. He will order your steps. He'll show you some things. He's better than a GPS. In John 16, 13 in the New Living, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And this just sticks out to me because this is the, the statement that's not written, but it's there as loud as he will guide you into all truth, which means he will also guide you out of all error. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you even about the future. And so he will guide you. And this is the thing for us. And Romans eight fourteen says this. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Let me rephrase it. The sons of God, the children of God are led by the spirit of God. Are there any children of God here? Have you ever believed on and received the name of Jesus? John 1, 12. Have you? Then you are a child of God. And one of the things is the spirit of God leads, guides, counsels the children of God. So you say, well, I don't think that's happening in my life. No, no, no. This is the thing. You're listening to too much. You're going to have to tune out some things. You're going to have to get some things out and away from in front of you, taking your attention, taking your energy, taking your time, pulling on all of those things. And you're going to have to give attention to the one who knows actually where you need to be going. And, and we have got to learn and grow to better respond to him and be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because I'm going to tell you what, either it's a truth or it's a lie. But he said he would guide you. Now, if he's going to guide you and comfort you, don't you want all of him in your life that you. Now, let's keep going. In Isaiah verse uh, chapter 30, verse 21 says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Now, be careful with this. Um, And that's in the New Living, and so it lightened just a little bit of it here. But he, and I had a friend years and years ago, he just said, I don't ever hear God. And he was wanting to hear something here. Because sometimes people on television, different things, tell spectacular stories. And sometimes people ministering and, and my opinion. Okay. Everybody say his opinion. I think some people get irresponsible and they'll say, I've seen people on TV. I've seen people minister this way. And then I said to the Lord, and then he said to me and I said, well, Lord, this, and he told me and, and, and you know what that does? It leaves people saying, well, he never talks to me like that. And I was just walking along and all of a sudden the Lord said, you know, go do this and then order a big ice cream and do this. And And I said, well, Lord. And he said, well, yes. And I said, and they do all that. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. I don't think it happens that way. I don't think it happens that way. He's a spirit and he speaks with our spirit. I have at times almost what I would call electric thoughts. It's so real. It's so strong. I didn't hear it with my ears, but I feel it. I hear it. I know it. And it's more than just Tim Gilligan trying to whatever. It's more than a random thought. I know. I just know that that's the Holy Spirit guiding me, speaking to me. And sometimes he's saying, hold up on that one. 
Some mornings I wake up and there's something I've been working on, deliberating on for months, a decision I need to make, a move I need to make or whatever. And I wake up some mornings and I, I get up early and I go up to my study and I have my cup of hot tea and I'm, I'm spending time with God. And sometimes just when I wake up, I know. I just have a knowing. And it's not like, well, Tim, well, yes, Lord. How was your night? Good. How was yours? Fine. Listen to me. It's irresponsible. My opinion. It's irresponsible because it discourages other people. It confuses other people because they, they say, well, he, he didn't ever talk to me that way. And I'm suspect to anybody that he does talk to that way. Or they say that. You with me? But he leads us. He guides us. He counsels us. And there are times where there's very clear direction on the inside. Do this and do this now. And, you, and what we've got to do is become more and more adept at hearing and responding and developing our ear keenly to his guidance. Can you say amen? amen? So he's with you to comfort you. He's with you to guide you and counsel you. And just one more. You're not going to like this one as much. The third one. He convicts you. Everybody say, he convicts me. You know, sometimes people say, well, what do you think about this? And as long as you say what they like, like, you're right. You're such good counsel for me. And then they ask you something. They say, you really want my opinion? Yes. And you go, that is whack. That is wrong. And that won't work. And if you do it, you're dumb. And they go, you know, you're just, you don't know nothing. I don't even know you. Well, listen, you really don't value somebody's word and participation in your life if it's only for the good and the happy. He loves you enough and he wants to, he paid a dear price to save you. And he wants to save you from going through other heartache and destruction in your life. And so he's not going to give you a pass on everything. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long suffering. But you know what? And I've been asking the Lord more and more. I want him to not give me a pass. There's some things he'll convict me about. And you just don't. And I'll explain it for you here in just a moment. It's like. And it's him working. And you know what? You got to be man or woman enough to do this. You say. God, continue to do this till this is out of my life. You've got to do that with him. Now, in John 16, 8. Now, let me point this out. He convicts us. He does not condemn us. He does not condemn us. He convicts us. And it's inward. John 16, 8. It says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Um. This word convict means to tell one's faults, to expose, to bring to light, to correct, to call into account. And I like this too, to show the gravity of. So when you have a bad attitude, how many of you have ever had a bad attitude? When you're prejudiced, when you're lustful, when you're hateful, when you're angry, when you're begrudging, when you're greedy, when you're selfish, when you're impatient, when you're whatever you are. 
when you're being rebellious, when you're, when you're envying the wicked. Now, I wish I could go do that. Seem like they just party and do whatever they want and they never feel bad. Oh, 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 you've forgotten, haven't you? You've forgotten how miserable. Oh, they just party all the time. You know why? Because they have to. Because they don't have peace. They've got to numb this. Got to, got to fill this thing up. Got to fill it up. And the thing is, the more they keep trying to fill up the inside, they keep damaging themselves more and more. Emotionally, all kinds of all kinds of ways. Got to do it. That's why people run that fast track of party. Turn the music loud, loud, loud. Run, run, run. Got to have lots of friends. Got to have lots of action. What else can numb me? And I'm not I'm not judging anybody. My heart hurts for people. And don't you buy into the lie that it's okay for you to go party like that? Don't you buy that lie? Well, I'm just going to do it this weekend, or I'm just going to go on spring break. Second word of spring break is what? You can't, you can't do that stuff. My friends. And the Holy Spirit, all these different areas of life, he will convict you. And part of what he will do is show you the gravity of this. And he's not going to make you feel comfortable. He's not just going to stroke your little bangs. I know you're doing wrong, but I love you so much. No, there's a part of God that's saying this is wrong. This is wrong. Now, it will cause you to sense your need for cleansing and forgiveness. I pray that every time you come to church, pray that every time you get alone with God, and it's not to chase you away from God, but if there's something not right in you, I pray that there's a sense, I need to get forgiven. I need to get cleansed. I need to pray more. I need to just get alone with God. I need to get into his word. I think I'm going to go listen to a podcast of a service again. You know, I, I got to pray. I think I just need to worship God. Pastor John said to sing. Do you know, it, it, and this is the wrong word for it, but it's almost magical. Just by yourself to sing praise to the one who created you. Well, I don't sing real good. Not, it's not even a qualification. It's not even required. I need to worship God. I know I do. How many of you know just tonight you're convicted in some way? I want to be closer to God. I need to be closer to God. I got four people back over there. He convicts us. And what he's doing, you will feel drawn to God, feel drawn to his word, to pray, to commune, to get yourself to church. You know what? I pray for you. I I pray a lot of things. But when I'm preparing for a service in the days prior to a service, Sunday and Wednesday, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. I'm part of the bride. And so I'm calling and I'm praying. Come. And that first come is to those that are already plugged in and apart. Come. And the second come that I pray is come in. That's those that haven't been here. And the third one is come home. There's people that need to come home. And I cry out to God for that. And you know what I also pray? I pray and, and hey, I'm, I'm good for giving everybody a break and getting some time off now and then. But church days affect the rest of your days. And I pray that if you sleep in and watch the Andy Griffith Marathon. Or it's a beautiful day and we're going to hit the boat instead. Or we're going to do this. I pray that there's conviction on the inside of you. 
I also pray that when you take the tithe that is holy unto the Lord and you buy, we need these Blu-rays, these Blu-ray discs, Spider-Man. I pray you feel convicted. I pray that when we're supposed to walk in love and build up people and not tear them down, and I will not harm you with the words of my mouth. We've been singing about that. That when you go ahead and do that, I pray that it's just like, uh uh-huh. Uh, on the inside. And I pray that when we know to do good and we don't do it, it's called sin. I pray that you don't just get numb to that. That's all right. I didn't do it the day before the day before either. And I made it still breathing. And you're callousing yourself. I want the Holy Spirit to just stay right on top of it with me and with you. And to keep our hearts tender. Keep our hearts tender. And this is the word right here. To resensitize us, to resensitize us, to alert us and to resensitize us. The Holy Spirit is with us 168 hours a week. He's with us now when we're all together and and we'll get into this in a few weeks. It should be so concentrated and so powerful when believers that are full of the Holy Spirit come together. It should be incredible. God should be so exalted in this place that the hardest sinner and a person who said, I don't even believe in God. If they were to get in here. That just the very presence of God would melt down hearts of stone and tear down gates of iron in their life. It should be something else when we come together. But that's not going to happen just by you looking to me and looking to Pastor John. Do something to us. Make us. You know what? You've got to spend your 165 other hours filled with the Spirit. Asking Him, fill me today. And do this work in me to comfort me and to guide me. And yes, to convict me. And God is working on us and God is working in me and he's working in you. And it's a beautiful thing. And this is the bottom line. Now just finish with this. You can trust him. You can trust him. And he is with you always, even to the end forever. He's with you. And I love the beautiful work that he does in our life. Amen. I got to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight? Thank you, Lord.